The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello everyone and welcome to the week 17 edition of Falato on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network, SB Nation's Giants platform. I am the host. Nicholas Filato, and oh my, do we have some things to talk about. Just got done watching Sunday Night Football. And what should we bring up? The Shermans, the Panzers, the Abrams? I'm not sure. Let's just group them all together because we just witnessed a tank job. A legitimate tank job by the Philadelphia Eagles. And it was to the detriment of of the New York football giants who defeated the Dallas Cowboys 23-19. So let's lay the landscape, all right? The Washington football team controlled their fate in week 17. So they had to lose, and they played Sunday night football in Philadelphia. If Washington lost, the winner of the Giants-Cowboys game at MetLife Stadium was going to advance to the playoffs to represent this putrid NFC East. Giants did their part, won 23-19 in a pretty handily fashion. Looked like they were going to win in a much better way if it wasn't for Daniel Jones' interception. That wasn't his fault, but bounced off of Evan Ingram's hands and then his face mask and right into his safety's arms, which is something that we've seen several times this season. That's just the what you get when you deal with Evan Ingram, sadly. It's the sad reality of it. But these Philadelphia Eagles, with legit shot to win this football game, Fourth quarter, Doug Peterson pulls Jalen Hurts, inserts Nate Sudfeld into the lineup. Nate Sudfeld throws an interception, fumbles the football, and can't do anything except for throw to the flat. Washington, who only scored in the first half, and other than a field goal that they kicked in the fourth quarter, They couldn't do anything against this Eagles defense that was playing their hearts out. But Doug Peterson tanked this game. The Eagles got three draft spots now. Instead of picking nine, they were to win this game. They picked sixth. And now Alex Smith, who Doug Peterson does have a personal relationship with from their time in Kansas City, now gets to play in this playoff game. Now, I want to lay this out and be very clear. This is on the Giants as well. The Giants are 6-10. They controlled their own destiny. And they lost three games in a row against three playoff teams. Playoff-bound teams. One of them didn't make the playoffs. The Browns, Arizona, who didn't make it, and the Ravens. And yeah, they were injured, but a lot of teams are injured at this time. But the Giants controlled their destiny. 
lost way too many close games. Heck, if Evan Ingram secures a third down catch against the Eagles in the first matchup, we're not even talking about this right now. So a lot of mistakes the Giants made to put themselves into this position. But the sad reality about the NFC East in 2020 is that it came down to the final game, the final week of the regular season. Sunday Night Football. And this sport that we love in the National Football League is built on integrity. It's built on putting your best foot forward. And the Eagles blatantly tanked the game. They blatantly tried to lose. And you can even argue before the game even started, they tried to lose. They rested a lot of guys. The fix was in at that point. They had nobody starting for them. And I can understand some of these guys are dinged up. It's a meaningless game. I get that. But in the game, you still attempt to tank. You bench your second-round quarterback who was going to be in a pretty well-evaluated role right there as a player trying to win a game and spoil the Washington football team's chances to win the division. And the Eagles put a big middle finger up to the New York Giants, to the NFL, to their own fans, and to their own players, frankly. Big middle finger up to guys like Jason Kelsey, who went on a whole diatribe about how you play to win the game in early December. And now, about a month later, his coach throws a football game. Disgraceful. Sickening, really. And look, I don't have delusions of grandeur here for the New York Giants. They're a 6-10 team. Do I think they could have beat the Bucs? Yeah, I think they could have. But they didn't have a chance at Lambeau or in the Superdome or anything like that. But just the fact that Daniel Jones would have had a chance and this young Giants team and Joe Judge would have had a chance to win this division and host a playoff game, that should mean something to Giants fans. And honestly, objectively, the Giants are the best team in this division in my opinion. But they don't get a chance to go to the playoff and that's their fault. But this Eagles tank job, you don't leave it up to a a rival, a team like the Eagles, to secure your playoff bid. And that's the reality of what happened. But this is still a huge disgrace on Doug Peterson and the Eagles organization. An absolutely disgraceful and reprehensible type of move there to say you're evaluating Nate Sudfeld. Like you're going to evaluate this guy when you have Jalen Hurts. You're pulling Jalen Hurts, who had two rushing touchdowns, didn't look excellent through the air. He didn't. But if Jalen Hurts stays in that game, you have a much better chance of winning. The probability is much higher. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. But you threw the game. That's no integrity there. And so many people affiliated with the NFL, NFL execs, players, lost so much respect for Doug Peterson and whomever made that decision. Which it seems like, Doug Peterson, at least he said after the game, which, you know, doesn't really mean anything. You don't know what to believe, but he said it was his decision to do so. And you could tell that those Eagles players were pissed. The defense played really hard. Credit to them. That offensive line looked distraught on the sidelines. But hey, it's the NFL. Don't leave it up to the Eagles. Don't. But they get to pick three slots ahead now. Now the Giants have the 11th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. And they don't have a chance to go to the playoffs. 
It's disappointing. Giants did what they had to in week 17, but they didn't do what they had to consistently enough in the previous 16 weeks. And that's why they found themselves in this position. But who would have thought you'd see such an obvious tank job in a primetime game with big playoff implications? Who's going to win the division? Well, it's Washington. And I don't want to take anything away from Washington. I think they have a good defense. Their offense looked terrible in that game against an Eagles defense that was starting nobodies in the grand scheme of NFL personnel. And now they get the host to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We get to see Chase Young, a player who the Giants will forever be linked to because the Giants won a quote-unquote meaningless game at the end of last season that dropped them from the second to the fourth pick. And I want to say that was week 16. Week 17, the Giants played the Eagles, and Daniel Jones didn't look great in that game. But it's a disappointing way to end this season, kind of a microcosm of the Giants' season, which is also kind of funny because another microcosm of the NFC East in general is when Wayne Gallman got sodomized by a football, ran for a first down, secured the victory, fumbled the ball without being touched. Luckily, he recovered it. But it was all a tease in the end because the Eagles didn't want to win this football game. They did not want to win this football game. Did not put their best foot forward to win this football game. The Giants, in their game against the Cowboys, I thought Andy Dalton looked off the entire game. He hit a stride after the Evan Ingram interception. I'm not going to say the Daniel Jones interception because it was more of an Evan Ingram interception. Something that he's done way too frequently. Daniel Jones looked solid. You could tell that he's not fully healthy but 9.2 yards per throw per catch I should completion I should say 229 yards passing 17 of 25 two touchdowns one to Sterling Shepard one to Dante Pettis which was thrown on a rope and it was caught awkwardly Mike McCarthy not challenging that Dante Pettis catch the other Dante Pettis catch that put the Giants into reasonable field goal range a 50 yard field goal That proved to be a big play in this game. All the pressure and the sacks that the Giants got on Andy Dalton. That was also a big factor in the game. Giants sacked Dalton six times. Previous two games, Dalton was only sacked four times. The Giants aren't known for generating pressure, but Leonard Williams played like a beast. I love the way this team played. They fought. They played hard. It's what they've done the entire season. It just wasn't enough. But I think there are building spots here. There are building pieces to this defense. We saw one of them, Xavier McKinney, almost sealed the victory. Now the Giants won, but I say almost because Wayne Goldman almost fumbled it away. McKinney got that interception at the end of the game on Dalton, who was being pressured by Leonard Williams. I think there's a lot of young players that are very, very intriguing on this Giants defense. Patrick Graham should be back, hopefully. I think you need to upgrade some things on the offense. Offensive skill positions. You're going to get Saquon Barkley back. The offensive line still has some question marks. Edge rusher, obviously some question marks. I thought Julian Love looked really good at cornerback too. Excited about that. But still, you may look to upgrade that. Linebacker opposite. Blake Martinez is definitely a position that can be upgraded too. The Giants came out here. They won this football game. They finished 6-10. and 10. Still gross. The NFC East is gross in general. It's won with a 7-9 and nine record by the Washington football team. And I'm not going to say it's only because the Eagles threw that game, but that definitely is a factor. And you know what? I tweeted this, and it's true. 20, 30 years from now, you're going to be listening to sports talk radio, 
if that's going to still be a thing, podcast, whatever, but people talking about the New York Giants. And Giants fans are going to remember the Nate Sudfeld game. And people are going to be like, who the heck is Nate freaking Sudfeld? Be like, oh yeah, Doug Peterson, this guy who used to coach the Eagles who actually won a Super Bowl for them, pulled their rookie quarterback and put some scrub in there to throw the game so they can get a higher draft pick, which knocked the Giants out of a playoff contention. Now, there are so many other variables that go into that, and I think they should be acknowledged. And I think I've done a solid job acknowledging them throughout this 10-minute rant. But at the end of the day, it came down to one game. And the opponent of the team the Giants needed to lose, the Philadelphia Eagles, did not put their best foot forward. And they actually made personnel changes to mitigate their ability to win a football game. Disgraceful. Anyways. Let me briefly go over all these other games. Exciting week. Week 17 tends to be a lot of younger players end up playing, and you see a lot of the veterans not dressed, which we've seen throughout the week. You don't see huge tank jobs all the time, Doug Peterson, but you do see some more interesting opening up of the playbook, younger players getting their shot, and a lot of scoring, which we saw this week. But before I continue... Let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. After a two-game winning streak by the New York Jets, they fall just short, by just, I mean 14 points, short of defeating the New England Patriots up in Foxborough. Final score was 28-14. to Cam Newton actually looked solid in this game, ripping the ball through the Jets' secondary. It's been a huge liability all season for Adam Gase, who has already been fired by the New York Jets. Black Monday is today. If you're listening to this on Monday, coaches tend to get fired on that day. Adam Gase has already been told that he will not be returning, so Jet fans, you can rejoice. Cam Newton finished this game, though, 21 of 30 for 242 yards and three touchdowns, along with 11 carries for 79 yards. So Cam Newton had himself a day. He also had a receiving touchdown, which is pretty cool. If you're going to be real, I mean, that's a nice way to cap off your week 17. That was thrown by Jacoby Myers, who was targeted seven times, caught six of them for 68 yards. The receiving touchdowns went to Sony Michelle, Devin Asiasi, James White, and Cam Newton himself. So the Patriots dominated this game for the Jets. Josh Adams fell into the end zone, 11 carries for 47 yards, and Chris Herndon had a nice receiving touchdown in the middle of the field. He had nine targets, caught seven of them for 63. Now, the question has to be asked, is this the last time we're going to see Sam Darnold as a Jet? And he finished the game 23-34 for 266 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. This was a rather close game. I mean, it kind of felt like New England was going to win it, and then in the fourth quarter, New England pulled away with 14 points but they were actually able to move the football the Patriots which is something they haven't been able to do for several weeks they were able to do it against this Jets team that just makes me ask what the heck 
what the Rams doing a couple weeks ago when they had a full complement of weapons. I mean, Cam Akers got dinged up in the game. But it wasn't like the Browns who didn't have anybody. But what the heck were they doing? But the Patriots were able to move the football here. And they were able to get a win, finish the season 7-9. and nine. Then we had another AFC South team, the Miami Dolphins, finished 10-6 and six and now will not be going to the playoffs because they lose, didn't break for them, and they got trounced by the Buffalo Bills, who played Josh Allen for the majority of this game. Bills beat the Dolphins 56-26. to Josh Allen continues to make a reasonable case for MVP, despite the fact that I think it's going to go to Aaron Rodgers. Josh Allen finishes this game with 224 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Matt Barkley comes in, throws for 164 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. The touchdowns ended up going to... John Brown, Gabriel Davis, and then Isaiah McKenzie had two of them, and he had a special teams touchdown. Isaiah McKenzie kind of went off in this game. You had him in DFS. Good for you. And Antonio Williams was able to kind of come up and mob up Dooney and have two touchdowns. He had a 12 carries for 63 yards for the Buffalo Bills, who are the hottest team in the NFL right now. They're a team that nobody wants to play at all, and they've just been going off in recent weeks. And they get to host the Indianapolis Colts, and the Colts are a good defense but they are really going to have their 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 time this is a handful man they're really going to have their work cut out for them here against this buffalo bills offense who have just been clicking as for the miami dolphins two or through three interceptions remember ryan fitzpatrick got covid he landed on the covid list so tua had to come in here through the football 58 times which is not what you want from tua tonga by 361 yards one touchdown three interceptions Miami couldn't get anything going on the ground. Since Matt Milano has come back from injury for the Buffalo Bills, their defense has been playing at a excellent level, which is great. It's a great time for them heading into the playoffs. Devontae Parker targeted 14 times. Gasecki 10. Lynn Bowden Jr. targeted 12. Gasecki finished 5 for 47. Bowden Jr. 8 for 44. Devontae Parker 7 for 116. And the receiving touchdown went to Malcolm Perry. Ravens at the Bengals. Ravens just trounced them 38-3. to Ravens had to win this game to get into the playoffs because it was really, really tight in that AFC wildcard. They easily did so. Tyler Huntley ended up coming into the game. Lamar Jackson only had to throw the ball 18 times. It was basically the J.K. Dobbins show, despite the fact that Lamar Jackson did have three touchdowns. They had a pick in this game, but J.K. Dobbins, 13 carries for 160 yards and two touchdowns. Miles Boykin had the one touchdown receiving. It was on a 43-yard bomb by Lamar Jackson. And then Marquise Brown had two other touchdowns, five catches for 41 yards on eight targets. He's really coming along right now at the perfect time. Remember, a lot of people drafted him in fantasy and were really, really upset about it because it took him so long to get going in this season. But over the last four games, Marquise Brown has just been balling for the Baltimore Ravens, basically since everybody kind of came back from COVID. Because you remember, towards the end of the season, around week 12, week 13, most of the Baltimore Ravens, contracted the COVID-19 virus, including Lamar Jackson. They come back, and now they're another team, probably the second hottest team in the NFL, I'd say, behind the Buffalo Bills. And then you also have the Green Bay Packers, and that's a whole other thing because they're another team that's a very hot squad right now. As for the Bengals, Brennan Allen could not recapture that magic that he had in Houston last week. He only completed six passes of 21 for 48 yards, two interceptions, no touchdowns, and they just couldn't do anything offensively. Then we have the Pittsburgh Steelers losing to the Cleveland Browns. This is a Pittsburgh Steelers team that didn't dress Cam Hayward, didn't dress Ben Roethlisberger, didn't dress T.J. Watt. This was a meaningless game for them, and they wanted the rest going into the playoffs. That's 
a different scenario than what the Philadelphia Eagles just did. Anyways, Mason Rudolph came into this game. Remember, there's a lot of storylines with Mason Rudolph and Miles Garrett. They seem to get along after the game. They, they dabbed each other up, which is which is nice, I guess you could say. But Mason Rudolph, 22 of 39 for 315 yards, two touchdowns and one pick in this game, and led his team to a point to where they tried for a two-point conversion, did not convert the two-point conversion, and they ended up losing this football game, but it almost went to overtime. And you know Cleveland Browns fans were at the edge of their seats because despite the fact they were 11-5, the Cleveland Browns needed to win this football game. This was a must-win game. If they didn't win this game, then the Miami Dolphins would have went to the playoffs. So that's why this game and the Ravens game were so important. These AFC North battles. Baker Mayfield threw for 196 yards and a touchdown. Nick Chubb, 14 carries for 108 yards and a touchdown. Austin Hooper was a touchdown recipient. And then and then Baker Mayfield did a good job just spreading the ball all around to all of his targets. Jarvis Landry had six. Austin Hooper had five. David Njoku had five. Donovan Peoples-Jones had three. Rashard Higgins had three. So it was just spreading the ball out. And that's kind of what Baker Mayfield has been doing since Odell Beckham Jr. went down with the injury. But the Browns are finally playoff bound. That's not something that you, we've said in quite some time. They get to go to Pittsburgh next week and play the Steelers again, only now it's going to be the real Pittsburgh Steelers who finished it this game 12-4. and Obviously did not get that first round by because there's only one for each conference this year, and that was secured by the Green Bay Packers and for the NFC and the AFC, the Kansas City Chiefs, who rested a lot of their players as well. We'll get into that in a little bit. As for the Steelers, James Conner, 9-37. for It's a very James Conner type of game. Chase Claypool, 11 targets, 5 for 101 and 1. Juju Smith-Schuster, 8 targets, 6 for 65 and 1. Deontay Johnson, 4 targets, 3 for 96. And then James Conner was also used in the through the air. 8 targets, 5 for 25. And the Steelers will be seeing the Browns, and they can get vengeance on them in just a short while. And playoffs, man. This is going to be fun. These teams know each other so well. So it should be very interesting to see how that all goes down then we had the vikings and the lions this was an irrelevant game in terms of playoff seating both teams will not be going to the playoffs but the vikings were able to win this football game 37 to 35 and in the beginning of the game started a little bit slow there was a bunch of punts and then after a certain point in the first quarter around the beginning of the second quarter it was just all touchdowns missed field goals or field goals there was one freaking punt from the second quarter to the rest of the game it was either turnovers or touchdowns, missed field goals, and it was a very, very exciting type of game. Unfortunately, it doesn't have any kind of playoff implications at all, but it was a high-scoring game, obviously, 37-35. to That's what you're kind of looking for. You had Matt Stafford in this game. Obviously, no Kenny Galladay, but Matt Stafford, 293 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Begs the question, is this the last time we're going to see Matt Stafford out as a Detroit Lion? Hopefully, for his sake, it will be because he's way too good for that organization. It really is. I don't know if... He wants to be a part of a rebuild now that he's getting a little bit older, but he was able to really hook up a Marvin Jones who had 11 targets, had eight catches for 180 yards, two touchdowns, had three touchdowns, but then the one got called back, went to the one yard line, and I think DeAndre Swift ended up punching it in for a touchdown. Adrian Peterson also had a touchdown on the ground. Quintez Cephas had a touchdown through the air. So Matt Stafford, this offense was able to put up 35 points with this coaching staff that is not long to be there for the Detroit Lions because they are just replacements for the Matt Patricia of the world. And then we had the Minnesota Vikings. Now they finished 7-9. Detroit finished 5-11. Kirk Cousins, 
went north of 400 yards, 405 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, 12 targets for Justin Jefferson. He caught nine of them for 133 yards, past Randy Moss's record for the Minnesota Vikings in terms of receiving yards and receptions. So that's excellent for Justin Jefferson. He didn't have a touchdown in this game, though. Adam Thielen, five targets, caught four for 57. Alexander Madison and Chad Beebe both had receiving touchdowns from Kirk Cousins. This was just an entertaining game. If you bet the over, you won. And if you had this game and stacked it in DFS, you probably won some money despite the fact that so many teams went north of 30 points in this game. Heck, the Giants went north of 20 points, which is a successful game in in itself. I mean, being the 31st ranked offense in terms of yardage. Then we had the Falcons losing to the Buccaneers 44 to 27. The Falcons finish the year 4-12, and the Buccaneers 11-5, and and they get to go to Washington to play the football team. Tom Brady threw for 399 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. There was playoff implication here, difference between the fifth and the sixth seed. So, obviously, the Buccaneers won. Ronald Jones had a rushing touchdown, 12 for 78. Good to see him back off the COVID list and the finger injury. This was not the Mike Evans show because Mike Evans ended up suffering an injury in the first half. Now, it doesn't seem like there's structural damage, but I'd be surprised if he plays. We're going to have to wait and see what the MRI and everything says, but it seemed optimistic in terms of structural damage, but he left the game, and it didn't look all that great. So it was Antonio Brown after that. 14 targets, caught 11 of them for 138 yards, two touchdowns. Chris Godwin, seven targets, five for 133, and two touchdowns as well. So, I mean, there's just a lot of weapons down there. One of those touchdowns to Antonio Brown was meant for Scotty Miller, and Antonio Brown just cuts right in front of him and gets the ball, and it's just like, oh, poor Scotty Miller. Thought he was going to get a touchdown there. Then you had the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan, 265 yards, two touchdowns. Obviously, it's the Falcons couldn't really get much going on the ground, although Brian Hill did bust a 62-yard run, which really inflated his average. Russell Gage had 11 targets, caught 9 of them for 91 yards, and a touchdown. Calvin Ridley, 12 targets, caught 8 for 52. And then Hayden Hurst, 6 targets, caught 4 for 28. And a touchdown, almost had 2 touchdowns as well in his last game of the season for the Falcons. And now Tampa Bay, they don't have an easy matchup. I mean, it's the easiest matchup in the playoffs for sure, the 7-9 Washington football team. But going up against Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne is not something that Tom Brady really wants to do on Saturday night, but hey, there are our worst matchups in the NFC. Then we have the Titans and the Texans, another very, very high-scoring game, and this one was filled with drama. The Texans lose this game 38-41. to Titans are now 11-5, and and this game came down to who was going to win the NFC South. Now, the Colts won their game, right? And it comes down to the Houston Texans. Now, the Colts turned off all of their electronic devices that showed them the score because these games were going on simultaneously and Tennessee jumps out to an early lead Derrick Henry's running all over the Texans what you would expect right but then Deshaun Watson does Deshaun Watson things puts a team on his back throws three touchdowns 365 yards did have a pick but Brandon Cooks tears Tennessee up because they can't cover anybody like we saw on Sunday Night Football last week Brandon Cooks had 16 targets caught 11 of them for 166 yards and two touchdowns then Deshaun Watson finds Farrell Brown for a touchdown using Kiki Cootie. And he's doing an excellent job. And the Texans are able to make the Titans sweat. They tie the game up with less than a minute left in this game. But Ryan Tannehill, who threw for 216 yards and a touchdown, 
finds A.J. Brown on a 52-yard catch that set up Sloman, Sam Sloman, for a field goal attempt, and he kicked it through, and that won the game. It looked like it was destined to go to overtime, but what a tragic way for the Colts to watch the Texans let it slip through their hands because if the Titans ended up losing this game, the Colts would have won the division, and they would have hosted a playoff game, but instead... The Colts have to go to Buffalo, which is obviously not ideal, and the Titans get to host the Ravens, a team they beat last year in the playoffs. So there was a lot of fantasy or real-life implication there, I should say. I've got to get my mind off fantasy football, I guess. A lot of real-life implication there. Credit to the Texans for actually battling it out like a real team does, not a disgraceful, crappy franchise. David Johnson looked good on the ground once again, 14 for 84. One touchdown. Deshaun Watson doing Deshaun Watson things. And the Titans, it was just Derrick Henry rushing all over the Texans. He was able to go north of 2,000 yards in the season in this game because he had 34 carries, rushed for 250 yards, and had two touchdowns. <laughs> just running all over the Texans with the worst run defense in the league. But at least they try. And that's all we ask for in the NFL because they get paid a lot of money to do that. They get paid a lot of money to try. Ha! Doug Peterson, listen up. Anyways, so Titans are able to host the playoff game next week in the wild card round. And then we had the Jags and the Colts, team we were just going about, right? Jags were able to score a little bit, keep it a little interesting, scored a touchdown in the second and the third quarter, but the Indianapolis Colts, mostly Jonathan Taylor, was able to just run away with this game because Jonathan Taylor saw, obviously he didn't because the scoreboards were out, but he saw what Derrick Henry was doing as like, ah, I'll match you. 30 carries, 253 yards, and two touchdowns on this game. Every time I turned on red zone, which is all the time, I have it on. I see Jonathan Taylor just rumbling everywhere. Phillip Rivers only had to throw for 164 yards and a touchdown. Jacoby Brissett was in there for plenty of snaps, but didn't throw a pass because it was all just handoffs. Basically, to their hot hand, their stud rookie, their guy who's having a phenomenal end of the season, Jonathan Taylor from the University of Wisconsin. As for the Jacksonville Jaguars, LaVisca Chenault had two touchdowns, six for 68, nine targets. Looked phenomenal in the game. I feel like he gets hurt all the time, but when he's out there, he's doing a really good job. He's going to be a really solid player for the Jaguars, especially working with Trevor Lawrence. It's going to be very fun to see. T.Y. Hilton was the recipient of the Colts touchdown. And now the Colts, like I said, they get the privilege and the pleasure to going up and playing those Buffalo Bills who are playing incredible football at the moment. The Packers beat down on the Chicago Bears in Chicago. Chicago's 8-8, eight eight, but they get in the playoffs. They earn one of the wildcard seeds for the NFC, which isn't as strong as the AFC. Now they get to go to the Superdome and play the Saints, which is not ideal. But the Packers get that first round bye, 13-3. They beat the Bears 35-16. Aaron Rodgers, four touchdowns, 240 yards, 19-24, just making it look easy, giving a touchdown to Devontae Adams, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Robert Tanyan, Dominique Daphne. Don't even really know who that person is. Cover the NFL. Don't really know who he is. But guess what? Great for the Green Bay Packers because they have a true MVP after they selected Jordan Love in the first round. Aaron Rodgers just comes out and lights the entire world on fire his second year Matt LaFleur's offense. He could have had another touchdown to Valdez-Scantlin, but it was dropped. <laughs> Valdez-Scantlin still had a 72-yard touchdown because they were able to scheme him against a Chicago Bear 
linebacker, and that's just a recipe for disaster, obviously. Aaron Jones looked really good in this game, only at 3.8 yards per carry, but when you turn on the TV, you see Aaron Jones running, you think, wow, that guy is a pretty damn good running back. I wonder what they're going to do with him. He's just spent a second-round pick on A.J. Dillon. I think they should probably franchise tag him because he's a damn good football player. Aaron Jones, 11 for 42, had one touchdown. As for the Bears, Mitchell Trubisky had a pick, no touchdowns. 252 yards passing, 33 of 42, was able to do a little bit on the ground with his legs. David Montgomery, 22 carries, 69 yards, one touchdown. Looked like he got hurt in the first quarter, came back into the game. He ended up getting nine catches as well. Darnell Mooney at 13 targets, caught 11 of them. Allen Robinson was only used sparingly, two catches for 37 yards on five targets. It was mostly Mooney and Montgomery for Mitchell Trubisky. And this ended up just being a blowout. Green Bay scored 21 points in the second quarter, went into halftime up it wasn't huge it was 13 to 21 but then bears couldn't do anything offensively packers defense clamped down and then the packers scored 14 more points in the fourth quarter so good for green bay to secure that coast through the wild card round then we had the chargers beat down on the kansas city chiefs chiefs finished 14 and 2 chargers finished 7 and 9 because they were able to win a couple games down the stretch there and it looks better for anthony lynn but we'll see what happens with him in the next coming days. Justin Herbert, 302 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Touchdown to Mike Williams. Donald Parham Jr., who was a tight end, who made a really, really nice move on that play. He finished three for 37, and then Austin Eckler had a touchdown as well. Justin Jackson was able to get back into this game. He's been dinged up basically the entire season. A very nice 34-yard run. Finished nine for 72. Kalen Balazs, 13 for 36 and one. Austin Eckler, seven for 18. And the Chargers controlled the majority of this game. It was interesting at halftime, 17-14, to 14, but the Chargers kept kind of scoring on the Chiefs. Chiefs rested a lot of their guys. They didn't play Tyreek Hill. They didn't play Travis Kelsey. They didn't play, obviously, Patrick Mahomes. It was mainly Darwin Thompson, Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, Miko Hardman, and those types of guys. And Chad Henney, 218 yards, two touchdowns, had a really nice early drive that was capped off by a touchdown. And... Darwin Thompson, 14 carries for 45 yards and a touchdown as well in this game. He's more of an electrifying type of player. You don't see him all that much, though. He's kind of thin-framed. He doesn't have that kind of contact balance and bulk that someone like Clyde Edwards-Alaire possesses. But this game was just the Chiefs saying, we already locked up the first seed, don't need to play our guys, we're going to rest them, and we'll see you guys in the divisional round. And the Chargers just took advantage. We are able to get that record to 7-9. and nine. We had the Raiders... And the Broncos, now this was another interesting ending of the game. The Raiders won this game 32-31. to They're 8-8. Eight eight. Broncos finish 5-11. and 11. So at the end of this game, the Broncos scored a 96-yard touchdown pass to Jerry Judy, where Drew Locke hits him over the middle of the field. Nice throw. Very nice run after the catch. Judy just took it all the way to the house. Forced a punt. And then the Raiders forced the Broncos to punt. But then the Raiders drove 7 plays, 77 yards, and punched it in a Josh Jacobs touchdown that put them in the lead 32-31, to but there was still time on the clock. So Drew Locke found Judy for 25 yards, got a penalty, set up a Brandon McManus 63-yard field goal attempt, something he can make. He has the leg to do so, but it was blocked by the Raiders, and they ended up winning this game 32-31. to It was an exciting end of the season, an exciting game for both of these teams, and there's no playoff implications, but there was a lot of points scored, 30 points collectively scored in the fourth quarter here, and the Raiders were able to kind of pull away. John Gruden gets that 8-8 eight and eight record, so it's at 500, it's not sub-500, but if you're a Raiders fan, I'm sure you're very upset with 
how this year transpired because Raiders were in a very good spot and they just fell down the stretch of the season. But in this game, Josh Jacobs, 15 of 89 for two touchdowns. Derek Carr, 371, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Darren Waller was nine for 117 on 10 targets, looking like a beast. Like he is, Nelson Argalor had one catch for 57 yards. It was a very nice catch, four targets, didn't do anything with those other three. Drew Locke, 25 of 41 for 339 yards, two touchdowns. Melvin Gordon, 26 for 93, one touchdown. And then Jerry Judy, five for 140 on seven targets, one touchdown. Obviously, he had a 92-yard long touchdown in the game, which was very, very impressive. I mean, the Cardinals losing to the Rams, which ended up being the battle of the quarterbacks nobody knows about it was John Wolford taking on Chris Streveler because Kyler Murray ended up getting hurt and then he ended up coming back in the game in the fourth quarter but he got hurt in the first quarter Streveler came in threw a pick threw a touchdown threw for 105 yards and Murray came back in with 8 of 11 for 87 yards but couldn't do anything so it was the Streveler show John Wolford holding it down for Jared Goff because he's recovering from thumb surgery. Wolford threw an interception, no touchdowns, had 56 yards rushing, which was big, ended up picking up a big first down late in the game. But it was just a slower game, especially for this slate. 18-7 win by the Los Angeles Rams. Cardinals had a chance to potentially make the playoffs, had to win this game, needed the Bears to lose, did not happen. Bears lost, but the Cardinals didn't win the game. So it was an unfortunate event for the Arizona Cardinals better luck next better luck next year now the Rams they get to play the Seattle Seahawks another interdivisional game and they're going to Seattle cuz Seattle won their division and they won in this game 26 to 23 against the San Francisco 49ers Seattle finishes 12 and 4 49ers finish 6 and 10 isn't it crazy Seattle had four losses and one of them was to the New York Giants anyways Russell Wilson finished this game with 181 yards passing two touchdowns both the Tyler Lockett who finished 14 targets 12 for 90 with those two touchdowns San Francisco made this a very interesting game it was very low scoring at first and in the fourth quarter just blew up Seattle scored 20 points San Francisco 14 CJ Beathard finished the game 25 of 37 for 273 and one Jeff Wilson 20 carries for 76 yards and one touchdown added three receptions for 12 yards and a touchdown as well George Kittle had a really great one-handed catch nine targets seven for 68 41 yard long Kendrick Bourne six targets five for 76 Ross Dwelly two targets two for 21 but then there was just a lot of spreading the ball around to the weapons that the San Francisco 49ers have as for the Seahawks DK Metcalf had nine targets but was mostly shut down by the 49ers cornerbacks he finished three for 21 Seahawks and Rams (laughs) third time this year let's see what happens now let's go over to the last game of the slate and that's the Saints just beating up and trouncing the Carolina Panthers if the Packers ended up losing the game the Saints would have had the first round by that didn't end up happening so the Saints will be playing next week Drew Brees 201 yards 22 of 32 for three touchdowns touchdown to Emmanuel Sanders touchdown to Jared Cook touchdown to Austin Carr. Panthers couldn't get anything going. They actually ended up taking Teddy Bridgewater out of the game. He threw two picks. PJ Walker came in. He threw three picks. It was just a mess. Saints are going to be a very difficult team to get out of the playoffs because their defense, when they're on, they're playing incredibly well, and they have been playing well for the last five weeks or so, which we've seen. Emmanuel Sanders had 13 targets in this game, nine for 63. It's still up in the air when Michael Thomas will be back. The Saints, I'm sure, would have loved to 
not play the wild card round, potentially have him back for the divisional round, but it looks like they're going to have to host that game against the Chicago Bears, and their nine-point favorites Vegas just opened up at, and people would assume that the Saints would be able to take care of the Bears and Mitchell Trubisky, but crazier things have happened. And that's the Week 17 slate, but before I go, let me quickly dive into these playoff games for the wild card. So, the Colts go to Buffalo. Right now, Buffalo is favored by seven. The Browns go to Pittsburgh. Steelers are favored by four. The Ravens go to Tennessee. The Ravens are favored by three and a half. And as for the NFC, the Bears go to the Saints. Saints are favored by nine. Rams go to Seattle. Seattle is favored by three and a half. Tampa goes to Washington, and they are favored by seven. And that's the spreads for this wild card round should be exciting to see what happens and i'll still be breaking down what ends up happening for each of these games in a much more in-depth manner because i don't have to go over 16 games i think it will just be these games and i love playoffs because it is truly and so is football in general but it's truly that all stakes everything on the board no one's gonna tank type of football and you can really see the art of the chess moves between each coordinator going up against each other. So I think these are some solid games out here. Some games which may not be as sexy. I mean, you have a couple seven-point spreads, seven-plus-point spreads. Obviously, you have the nine-point spread, which is something you don't commonly see in the playoffs. Although the Giants have definitely seen that through their recent playoff runs that have transpired into Super Bowls. Nine-plus spreads or more, obviously. But anyways, it was a disappointing end to the 2020 season for sure. There's been a lot of resentment for the Philadelphia Eagles among Giants fans, and I think it's warranted. I didn't think relations could be any more abysmal with the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles, but it just got a lot worse, and everybody on the Giants knows what happened, and that's going to add that much more incentive when these two teams play twice next season. Anyways, I am Nicholas Filato. Please rate, subscribe, and review this podcast wherever you get this podcast. This is... Falato on football. All you guys take care and enjoy the rest of your weeks. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.